We're going to begin reading in uh, verse number 9, and we'll read down to about probably verse number 15, and um, just share a few thoughts with you on, uh, on Peter and some lessons that we can learn uh, from this particular uh, issue with Peter. On the morrow, as they went on their journey and drew nigh unto the city, Peter went up, up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. And he became very hungry and would have eaten, but while they made ready, he fell into a trance and saw heaven opened, and a certain vessel descending unto him as it had been a great sheet knit at the four corners, and let down to the earth, wherein were all manner of four-footed beasts of the earth, and wild beasts, and creeping things, and fowls of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice spake unto him again the second time, What God hath cleansed, that uh, shall not, that shall call not thou common. Father, we pray that you'll bless the message and speak to hearts. And Lord, may we understand clearly the lessons that can be learned from this passage. And uh, Father, may your Holy Spirit work in our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Peter is being used mightily of the Lord. He has spoken at Pentecost by this time. There have been numbers of people saved, and many people are following him and the other apostles. If you will, hold your place there for a moment. I want you to look back with me at uh, verse number 32 of chapter 9. And uh, the Bible says, And it came to pass, as Peter passed throughout all quarters, he came down also to the saints which dwelled at Lydda, uh, and there they found a certain man named Aeneas, uh, which had kept his bed eight years and was sick of the palsy. And Peter said unto him, Aeneas, uh, Jesus Christ maketh thee whole. Arise and make thy bed. And he arose immediately, and all that dwelt in Lydia, uh, Lydda and uh, Saron saw him and turned to the Lord. And if we go on to verse number 36, we find that he goes to Joppa. Now there was at Joppa a certain disciple named Tabitha, which by interpretation is called Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and alms deeds, which she did. It came to pass in those days that she was sick and died, whom when they had washed, they laid her in an upper chamber. And for as much as Lydda was nigh unto Joppa, and the disciples had heard that Peter was there, they sent unto him two men, desiring him that he would not delay to come to them. Then Peter arose and went with them when he was come and brought him into the upper chamber. And all the windows stood by him, widows stood by him weeping and showing the coats and garments which Dorcas made while she was with them. But Peter put them all forth and kneeled down and prayed. And turning him to the body, said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand and lifted her up. And when he had called the saints and widows, presented her Alive, And it was known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. And it came to pass that he tarried many days in Joppa with one Simon a Tanner. Now, we spent some time a few months back dealing with the Word of Faith movement that's out there today that talks about uh, that there are still gifts going on today that were given in this time to the apostles for a specific reason. And uh, we call them the apostolic gifts, or we call them the gifts of signs. Uh, and these gifts are, are gifts that uh, have passed off the scene. Uh, they're not used regularly, at least not the way Scripture uh, used them in this case, in the day that we live. Uh, tongues is one of those things. Uh, these types of, of uh, miraculous healings 
were one of those things. This, those kinds of gifts that are mentioned of in the book of Acts only took place over a period of about 60 to 70 years, and then they passed off the scene. There are still certainly gifts that God gives to people, but, Paul, or, but uh, Peter is being used by God mightily. He's been filled with the Holy Spirit. He has spoken at Pentecost, and people have gotten saved. He has healed people. Uh, he healed the one uh, here at, uh, at Lydda, and also he healed uh, Tabitha, raised her from the dead, uh, Dorcas, and raised her from the dead. And uh, so this is the type of man that Peter is. And some people would look at Peter and say, you know, Peter has, has been through a journey. He's, he's been trained by the Lord personally. He certainly had his flaws and, and probably continued through his life to have some. But he has matured in the Christian life. He's grown in the Christian life. And he's now being used mightily of the Lord. But when we get to verse number 9 of chapter 10, we find that God is coming to Peter and he uses something. And he has to kind of get Peter's attention here. Because there's something that he wants Peter to know. He wants Peter to learn. And if we're not careful in our lives... We'll, we'll get to a place in our Christian life where I think Peter found himself. Where he's serving the Lord, things are going well, God's using him. And yet there may be some additional things that God needs to teach you and I. And so God teaches Peter a lesson here. And the lessons that he teaches are given by a vision that he has of this sheet coming down. Now, in this sheet, uh, the Bible says in verse number 12 that there were all manner of four-footed beasts of the earth... And wild beasts and creeping things and fowls of the air. Now, the Levitical law for the Jews was that they were not allowed to eat these things. They were unclean. And uh, they were not allowed to uh, have a part in them. And it became, uh, if you know much about the Pharisees of the day and, the, and the, the religious sect and the religious leaders of the day, they took the law and they expounded on it and put a lot of their own um, regulations in place, I guess you would say, a lot of their own standards for that law in place, to where a lot of it became tradition and things that men had come up with that kind of put an undue burden on people beyond what the law said. And the Pharisees were notorious for this. Um, it was amazing that they would, uh, uh, they, uh, would uh, count how many steps they could take on a Sabbath before it became labor. And you weren't allowed to take over so many steps. Um, and they didn't, they didn't use the spirit of the law. They used the letter of the law. And, they, and then they came up with a, a bunch of other things that they wrote uh, in the Torah and, and some of their practices that they came up with over centuries of trying to follow the law. They came up with these, these standards, if you will, to try to help guide men in the law uh, to where it had become really, in some cases, an un, unnecessary burden. Then Christ comes on the scene, and He enters in, or He ushers in, a dispensation of grace. And we get to this place where Peter, at this point, has only been going to the Jews with the gospel. It's the only place he's gone. In fact, it was unlawful for them. If you read further down in chapter number 11, uh, look in uh, chapter 11, verse number 2. And when Peter was come down to Jerusalem, they that were of the circumcision contended with him. And they did this after he preached to the Gentiles. They contended with him. This is why they contended with him, saying, Thou wentest in to men uncircumcised and didst eat with them. 
But Peter rehearsed the matter from the beginning and expounded it by order unto them, saying. And the reason that they were contending with him was because the law that they had, the, the regulation or the standard that they had put in place, these Pharisees, was that the Jews were not allowed to go in and eat with uncircumcised folks. It was not, not to be done by the religious leaders. They weren't allowed to be there. It's interesting to note <coughs> that even in Jesus' ministry, the Bible says that he, was, uh, uh, he went and ate with the sinners. Uh, he was there with them, trying to reach them. Now, he wasn't participating in their sin, but he went to where they were. He was a friend of publicans and sinners. And I think sometimes that uh, we find ourselves where Peter does. Uh, and I'm going to try to preface what we're going to teach here by using an illustration. We had a, a, uh, uh, a retired gentleman in our uh, pastor that came to visit our church one time uh, years ago. And uh, he and his wife were coming. They were coming pretty regular to our church, but they hadn't joined our church. And he was an older, older fellow. And um, there was another lady that was in our church who we'd been praying for her daughter to come to church for many, many years. She was unsaved. It had been probably seven or eight years we'd been praying for her daughter to come to church. And so one day she came to our church and sat with her mom. And uh, the week that she came, she wore a pair of slacks. And uh, she left and enjoyed the service and actually came back the second week. And the second week when she walked in the door, the retired preacher that was visiting our church, wasn't even a member of our church, was sitting in the row right behind her. And he handed her a typewritten piece of paper. And um, in that piece of paper... Uh, it said that because she was wearing slacks, that she was going to go to hell. And he laid out scriptures on it, why it was an abomination, and because it was an abomination, God cursed it, and because God cursed it, you can't be saved if you do this. And that lady came back to me after the service in tears as she left the building, and she never set foot back in our church again. Uh, folks, that was a man's principle. And he did such that it hurt people. I, I heard Brother Randy say this one time. He said, he, he's a big fisherman. He loves fishing. He said, you know, I've caught a lot of fish in my life. I've never caught one yet that was cleaned when I caught it. People need to come to Christ first and let Christ take care of the cleaning up. God will deal with that. God will take care of their heart and their conscience. And as we got into this subject, Peter was in a situation where there were certain things that men had decided. Not allowed to eat with a, an uncircumcised person. Not allowed to go into their house and sit at their table with them. Peter, Peter was following these things. He felt that the gospel was not for anyone but the Jews. Now, when we get to this place, God is teaching him something. And I want you to notice several things that God teaches him. As we go down through this, it says that, first of all, it was done thrice, three different times, verse number 16. And when we get to verse number 19, the Bible says this, While Peter thought on the vision, notice this, While Peter thought on the vision, the Spirit, capital S, so we're speaking here of the Holy Spirit, The Spirit said unto him, Behold, three men seek thee, arise therefore, and get thee down, and go with them, doubting nothing. In other words, don't, don't question me on this. 
Don't be in doubt about it. Don't be wondering about it. Just go and do it. For I have sent them. And I want you to notice verse 21, and I love this about Peter. Then Peter went down to the men which were sent unto him from Cornelius and said, Behold, I am he whom, thou, whom ye seek. What is the cause whereof ye have come? And, and, and here's something that I think is very, very important to understand. That while Peter, even though he was misguided in some things, and there were some things that God needed to teach him, he was sensitive to what the Holy Spirit told him to do. Even though he thought it wrong in his mind, when, the, when the, the Holy Spirit told him to do this, and it was within keeping of what God had said to do, he was obedient to him. And so he goes down and he meets with these men. And so he, in verse 23, the Bible says, Then called he them in and lodged them on the morrow. Peter went away with them, and certain brethren from Joppa accompanied him. And on the morrow they entered into Caesarea, and Cornelius waited for them, and had called together his kinsmen and his near friends. And by the way, I would say this, that any time uh, we're, we're coming to the Lord, we ought to be interested in getting our friends and family involved. We ought to be, when it comes to a matter of, of, of coming to Christ and getting our hearts, uh, if it's a matter of salvation or coming back to the Lord, we ought to bring our families and our friends along with us. And Cornelius is seeking for something here, and he's asked for Peter. Verse number 25, and as Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. Now, this is a very interesting thing. But Peter took him up, saying, Stand up, I myself also am a man. So there's a couple of things I want us to learn about Peter. Number one, he was sensitive to the Holy Spirit's leading. He was sensitive to the Holy Spirit's leading. And when God told him to go, he said yes. He didn't question it. Can I encourage you in something? When we come across something in Scripture that touches our heart and God is speaking to us in that Scripture, don't question it. Just go. Do what it says to do. Follow the leading of the Holy Spirit through His Word. And then we find that He was a humble person. He was a humble person. I mean, here's the man that stood up in Pentecost and people were getting saved by the droves. He's healed a lady. He's, he's raised another one from the dead. Or healed a man and raised another one from the dead. And people have heard about him. Cornelius has heard about him. Cornelius sends for him. And when he comes, Cornelius begins to bow and pay obeisance to him and worship Peter. And what was Peter's response? Peter's response was one of humility. Peter understood that it was not him that had done those things, but it was the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he points Cornelius to the Lord. Very important. Now, he's doing something that in their day was unlawful for them to do. They were not supposed to do it. Unlawful by man's law. By the religious leaders who had come up with this idea. They had... They had grossly misconstrued the law, established things, and said it's not to happen. And Peter's going against that. He's doing it because God told him to do it, and because the Holy Spirit's led him to do it. And he, he has a spirit of humility, and he talks to him, and went in and found that many were come together. Now he said unto them, You know how that it is unlawful for a man that is a Jew to keep company or come unto one of another nation. But God hath showed me that I should not call any man common or unclean. 
He said, this law's been set, and I know I'm violating this law. But it's a law that man has made, and God has showed me something contrary to it. By the way, can I help you with this? I don't care what preacher there is that gets up and tells you something from the pulpit. If God's Word says something differently, God's Word is right. Period and end of story. It is not up to the preachers. It is up to God's Word. In verse number 28, we find that although the Pharisees, who were the religious leaders of the day, had made an unlaw or made this to be an unlawful thing that Peter was doing, Peter said, God has given me this, and I ought to obey God rather than men. Very, very important we learn this lesson. This is something that God is trying to teach Peter of. The Jews at this point, because of the traditions of their religious leaders, and because of the, the day that they were living in, were very, very prejudiced against the Gentiles. Very prejudiced. And I want you to notice as we get over to verse number, 20, uh, verse number 34, that as Peter is trying to explain some things, he says, Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. In other words, in, in fact, Paul says this later on, there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. The same Lord over all is God unto them all. By the way, skin color doesn't matter either. Amen. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm appalled at how much racism there is also, oftentimes. And I'm not trying to be on a liberal vendetta here by any means. But there's a lot of racism that goes on in, in God's churches. Can I tell you this? God died for every man. I don't care what color their skin is. We used to sing as a little kid, red, yellow, black, or white. They are precious in His sight. Uh, there's these people going around saying particular lives matter. No, all lives matter. Every person's life matters. And not just matters to me, but matters to God. It makes a difference. But there was a lot of prejudice that was going on because the religious leaders of the day had made it unlawful for the Jews to go and sit at a table in a, in a Gentile's house, an uncircumcised man's house. God hadn't said that. God had made some separation where they weren't to marry and they weren't to intermingle, but man had extended that law and made it so much more overburdening than it needed to be. And when God tried to teach Peter, listen, don't pay attention to that. This gospel I gave you, it's not just for the Jews. But it's for the Jews and the Gentiles, and don't be afraid to go to the Gentiles, is what Jesus is trying to teach Peter here. And so Peter comes into Cornelius' house, he sits with him, he says, look, it's an unlawful thing for me to even be here. But God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. And he's speaking here of what, Jesus, what God had told him in verse number 15. What God hath cleansed, that call not thou unclean. Or common, excuse me. When when God cleans somebody up, when God when God saves a man's soul, doesn't matter whether he's a Jew or a Gentile. Doesn't matter what race he is. Doesn't matter what social economical status he is. God is no respecter of persons. A rich man will burn in hell as easily as a poor man. A wise man will burn as easily in hell as a fool. It doesn't matter the case. God is no respecter of persons. And I think one of the things that was so critical was Peter, 
Spiritually, you've been used of the Lord. You're a mature Christian finally at this point, but there's something I want you to learn. You need to have a heart like God has. And a heart that is no respecter of persons. I have talked to people in the last several years in this area that there would be... I need to be careful how I say this. If God put it on our hearts to witness to a particular person, there are some people that I've talked with in the last several years of my life that wouldn't do it because of who that person was. And it may have to do with it may have to do with the type of person that they are. I know people that don't want to bother themselves with the homeless and the destitute. Oh, I don't want to bother myself with them, Pastor. They're all con men. They're all trying to get your money. No, they need the Lord. People out here that that they they're not they're not the nicest looking. They're not the nicest smelling. They don't have everything going for them. I've seen it go the other direction. I've seen very very wealthy and affluent and well off people and Christians say, "Well, I can't approach them. They're they're too way beyond my my status." Can I tell you this? Peter learned a lesson. And that was, I need to take the gospel to all men. I need to take it to all men. Well, there's a person over there I really don't like. I can't really stand them. They bother me. They get under my skin. They still need the gospel. God is no respecter of persons. You want to find somebody who was offended and had every right to not give the gospel to somebody? It would be the Lord Jesus Christ. You and I offended Him. We ought to take Him as our example and say, you know what, that person drives me nuts. I can't stand them. They have bothered me. I'm angry at them. But I'm going to pray for them because they need the Gospel. I'm going to share the Gospel with them. And God is trying to teach Peter a valuable lesson. Listen, Peter, as well off as you are, don't get comfortable with just this little area that I've given you. He said, I want you to go into all the world. I want you to tell everybody the Gospel. I don't want there to be a limit. It's not just the Jews. He goes on, verse number 28. He says that God had showed me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Therefore came I unto you without gain, saying, As soon as I was sent for, I asked therefore to what intent you have sent for me. And Cornelius said, Four days ago I was fasting unto this hour, and in the ninth hour I prayed in my house. And behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing, and Cornelius said, and said, Cornelius, thy prayers heard, and thine alms are had in remembrance in the sight of God. Send therefore to Joppa and call hither Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodged in the house with one Simon a tanner by the seaside, who when he cometh shall speak unto thee. Immediately therefore I send unto thee, and thou hast well done that thou art come. Now therefore we are, are we all here present before God to hear all things that are commanded of thee. So Peter opens his mouth in verse number 34. If you get time this afternoon, you ought to read down what the message was that Peter preached. It is a very simple, very direct, and very profound message that does nothing but point Cornelius to Christ. He takes Cornelius from where he's at and says, Listen, let me tell you about the Lord Jesus Christ. And notice what takes place in verse number 44. While Peter yet spake these words... The Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. 
For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which ye have received, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they him to tarry certain days. And the apostles and brethren that were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. And when Peter was come to Jerusalem, they that were of the circumcision contended with him. They said, Peter, you shouldn't have done this. This is not a good thing. But Peter rehearses, verse number 4, Peter rehearsed the matter from the beginning and expounded it by order unto them, saying, uh, and he gives the account of what took place of the sheet coming down. And he learned the lesson in verse number 9, where the voice comes and tells him, What God hath cleansed, that call not common. And this was done three times, and all were drawn up again into heaven. Verse number 12, I think, is a very, very important verse. And the Spirit bade me go with them, nothing doubting. And again, this is the second time we've seen this phrase. When God tells us to do something, and the Holy Spirit is leading us, and it is not contrary to God's Word, we are to doubt nothing and we are to pursue ahead. If we come to something in Scripture, and we say, boy, I don't know, I don't know about that. I don't know if I can do that. That's an awful hard thing for me. Or, I don't know, I don't know if I can... Man, I don't know if I can fully uh, give myself wholly to that. No, no. When it's in Scripture, we say, absolutely. Nothing doubting. Nothing doubting. The Holy Spirit works on our hearts. The Spirit bids Him, bids him to go, in verse number 12. And uh, so He goes on down and He talks about what He, what he shared with them. Now, in verse number 19, it says, Now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that rose about Stephen traveled as far as Phenis, Cyprus, and Antioch, preaching the word uh, to none but the Jews only. So again, this is kind of the mindset that's going on here at this time. <clears throat> and some of them, verse number 20, were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which, when they were come to Antioch, spake unto the Grecians. So there were a few, because of Peter... And because of him going to Cornelius' house, and those that heard received the Holy Spirit and were saved and were baptized, those men went, and the Bible says, which when they were come to Antioch, spake unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. Why? Because Peter was willing to learn something. He was not at the level where he said, I can't be taught anything new. There are times in my life that there gets to be a stagnancy of learning, I guess would be a good way to word that, where, where you kind of feel like, okay, I, I've been saved 30 years or 40 years, I've read the Bible through so many times, and I've studied Scripture, I've been in Sunday school classes, I've heard it preached before. There's not a whole lot more I can learn. Boy, that is a dangerous place to be. And God comes to Peter. He teaches him a valuable lesson. No matter how much Peter had grown in the Lord, there was still room for him to learn something else. Can I encourage us in this? Always be seeking to learn something from the Lord. Don't ever get to the place where we say, you know what, I've arrived, I'm there, I'm I'm 30 years in being saved, I've been in church all my life, I've been in good churches, and I'll be there and fill my pew and sing the songs, but preacher, you can't really teach me anything new from God's Word. No, 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 no. That's the wrong attitude. Every time I come to God's Word, I want to find something that God has for me. So the hand of the Lord, the Bible says in verse 21, was with them, these Grecians, these folks that were preaching in Antioch. 
And a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. Then tidings of these things came to the ears of the church which was in Jerusalem, and they sent forth Barnabas that he should go as far as Antioch. So because Peter was obedient, he sees some people get saved that are of the Gentiles. They go to the Gentiles at Antioch, and they get saved. And when the church at Jerusalem hears of the great number being saved, they, they contact Barnabas. <coughs> and the word comes to Barnabas. And so he goes to Antioch to see what's going on. And the Bible says in verse 23, "...who when he came and had seen the grace of God was glad and exhorted them all, that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. For he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith." And much people was added unto the church. Then departed Paul, Barnabas to Tarsus. Why did he go to Tarsus? What does the Bible say there? To seek what? To seek Saul. Wait a minute. Who's Saul? Well, Saul got saved on the road to Damascus. Remember that? He was so excited, he went and he hung out with the apostles. And he, I, the way the Bible reads there, it sounds to me like he was driving them nuts. He was overly zealous. And they said... Paul, go back home. So I'll go back home. And they sent him back to Tarsus. Because Peter was obedient. Now follow the chain of events here. Peter was obedient to the Holy Spirit. To do what God told him to do. Even though, now listen to this, even though it was not the accepted teaching of the modern day religious leaders. He said, God told me, I'm obeying. If Peter had not done that and gone to Cornelius' house, Barnabas would have never gone to Saul. Do we see what's happening here? God teaches Peter something. Peter has to learn a valuable lesson here. To take God at His Word, nothing doubting, and be obedient. When He does, God blesses. And the Holy Spirit touches the heart of some Gentiles who go to Antioch, and those people get saved. In fact, the Bible says many of them. The church at Jerusalem's thinking, man, revival's breaking out down in Antioch. We better find out what's going down on down there. And there goes Barnabas down to see what's going on. He gets there, and he sees what's going on, and he's so excited, and he's seeing that these, uh, these folks are, are trusting in the Lord, and they're being filled with the Holy Ghost, that he departs and goes to Tarsus to get Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch, and it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people, and the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. We got our name Christian because Peter was willing to learn a lesson from God. A lot of things hinged on this one lesson from Peter, wasn't it? And in these days came prophets from Jerusalem unto Antioch, and there stood up one of them named Agabus, and signified by the Spirit that there should be great dearth throughout all the world, uh, which came to pass in the days of Claudius Caesar. Then the disciples, every man according to his ability, determined to send relief unto the brethren which dwelt in Judea, which also they did eat, sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Paul. Barnabas and Paul now are sent for the very first time. We see a missionary endeavor taking place. Missions began... Because Peter was willing to listen. Do we see the chain of events that took place here? I don't want us to miss the point of the message, and that is this. There are times that we are settled in what we believe. We're comfortable there. We don't want to move anywhere. 
We don't want to be taught anything new because we've been there. We've done that. But then the Bible comes and interrupts us. And we have a choice. We can say, yes, Lord. Nothing doubting. Or we can say, no, I'm not going to do that. And it begins a chain effect. It begins to to create either problems or blessings. Peter said, that, that first time that sheet came down, Peter said, I'm not touching that stuff. I'm not supposed to. I've never touched it my whole life. Never done it that way. Not going to now. I've never done it. Besides that, our religious leaders say, I'm not supposed to do it. So, Lord, I'm not doing it. And what did the Lord tell him? He said, don't call that which I've cleansed unclean or common. Rise, kill, and eat. And it wasn't about the animals. It was to teach Peter, listen, just because they're a Gentile doesn't mean they don't need to be reached. Just because they're a Gentile doesn't mean I'm a respecter of persons. Go and reach them. Go to this man's house. Talk to him. Bring him to Christ. And because of Peter's obedience in the matter, we find that people are called Christians because of that. We find the Gentiles begin to get saved in mass number. Paul wasn't the first one to reach the Gentiles. He does become the apostle to the Gentiles. But he wasn't the first. We have them being called Christians. We have the Gentiles being in, grafted in and being able to be a part of the gospel. And we find the first missionary endeavor sent out because Peter was willing to learn the lesson that, to be honest with you, every other religious leader in the, in the realm would have looked at Peter and said, we're not fellowship with you anymore, Peter, because you've broken our traditions. We're not talking to you anymore. You're not coming to our pastor's fellowship. You're not going to come to our luncheon. Not teaching those things. But Peter did what God told him to, didn't he? And there are times to listen and to get counsel from godly pastors and godly people in our midst. But if it ever comes down to what they say or what the Bible says, there is no discussion about it. We do what God says. And Peter learned this lesson. So I want to encourage us in this, because just a small thing, what we think is a small thing, well, that one area, I'm just, I just don't know, that small thing can have such ripple effects down the road. We've got to be so careful of those things. So I want to encourage you in that. All right, let's stand together and we'll be dismissed. Father, we're so thankful for your word. We're thankful for the teaching that you show us throughout it. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us. As we, as we seek Your Word, that Your Holy Spirit will illuminate the truth. Help us to see it. Help us to understand it. Help us to rightly divide it. And Father, may we learn from it the things that You would want us to learn. May we be open to the leading of Your Holy Spirit as we go to its pages. And Father, direct our steps. Guide us. And Father, may we be used by You in the way that Peter was in this case to allow other things that will make a great difference for eternity in the lives of many, many people. And so, Father, I pray that You'll help us. Lord, thank You for the day we've had. I pray that You'll help us 
not to quickly forget the messages that we have heard today.